I Love Mortgage Brokering, episode 149. Where the best mortgage brokers get better. I Love Mortgage Brokering with your host, Scott Peckford. Hey, Broker Nation, Scott Peckford here from I Love Mortgage Brokering. Today on the show, I have Lisa Wells from Waterstone Mortgage. She's an LO based out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. She's been in the lending business for 19 years, and this was such a fun interview to do. Lisa shares some awesome advice for uh, working with realtors, how to make your process wow moments in the process. She has one real estate agent hack. She sent her 38 loans last year, which is absolutely mind-boggling to me. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that she has such a great attitude, great team, and her process is so amazing. So I think you're really gonna enjoy this interview. Uh, check it out. This episode is sponsored by adlawappraisals.com. They're a full-service real estate appraisal firm located in Vancouver, BC. They appraise residential and commercial properties throughout the whole Lower Mainland. And I did some background checking on Adam and the crew, and brokers told me they were fast, efficient, and approved with most banks, credit unions, and even B lenders. They've invested in various technologies to make quick turnaround times. And one of the cool things is they actually have executive home appraisal price that doesn't even kick in till 1.5 million, which keeps costs down for borrowers. And rent estimates are free the first time and so are letters of transmittal. So check them out at adlawappraisals.com. They're big supporters of our community and tell them that you heard about them on ILMB. And if you put in ILMB 50, you'll get $50 off your next appraisal. This episode is sponsored by Pioneer West Acceptance Corp. Pioneer West is a private lender in BC and Alberta. Now, normally when we have a sponsor for the show, it's because I personally use their product or service and I can give it a 100% recommendation. In this case, it's a little different. I actually don't do B deals. I decided to do some background checking on the crew at Pioneer West and I found that everyone I talked to said they were fast, down to earth and underwrote deals if they made sense, which is exactly what you're looking for in a B lender. Another cool thing about Pioneer West is they're really fast. In most cases, they can give you an answer within 24 hours. If you're a broker looking for a private lender in BC or Alberta, Check out Pioneer West and tell them you heard about them at I Love Mortgage Brokering. They're huge supporters of our community. Check them out at pioneerwest.com. Hey, Lisa, welcome to the show. Hi, Scott. Thanks for having me. So tell me a little bit about how you got into the lending business. Well, I've been in mortgage for 19 years and um, I kind of fell into it. I was a server at a restaurant and mortgage people would come in and they said, hey, you should be in mortgage because you're really good at sales. And I said, hey, I shouldn't because I'm really bad at numbers. And they said, no, 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 that's a minor part of it. Really? Yeah, it seems like it would be. That's hilarious. So that's how I started. I started working in mortgage and I never started as a processor. I never started as an assistant. I started as a mortgage originator, 100% commission out of the gate from the day I got in this business. And it took me about two years, but I worked all day long doing mortgages. And then I worked all night long serving at a restaurant so that I could actually make money. But I think it was year three, I decided that I could actually make this work. And Okay. So I was going to ask you that. So you for two years, you basically went out and hustled and worked another job. What point did it click that you knew that you had this? Was it when you left the job or was there another moment that you really knew that, hey, this business is for me? I think one, it was a money thing because I never trusted because I felt, you know, 100% commission, you start over at zero pretty much every single month. And so I clung on to that server job and I think I made six figures before I quit being a server at night. <laughs> like I was like, I don't know if this is going to work. I think it just got to the point where I had to take a leap of faith because I couldn't do it anymore. I, I was literally working like 17 hours a day 
and just couldn't do it. And I knew that if I could give a little bit more energy and a little bit more zest, I, I knew I couldn't fail or I wouldn't fail. How did it go? You said it was year three when you finally, you said you finally went from you know working both jobs. How was year four? Was that like a record year for you or was it like when you had, were able to give it your full focus? Yeah, no, I think actually in year four, I went to go work for a bank. So I actually think I went a little bit backwards, mm. um, <laughs> but I also learned a ton. Like, I feel like I was an accidental learner in mortgage, meaning I just learned what plopped in front of me. And it took me probably until, God, probably about year seven or eight, where I decided I either have to figure this business out or I have to get out because I was reacting to everything. I didn't have great mentors. I worked at a large institution and refinances walked in the door. And I was really only good because I knew how to take great care of people. Mm-hmm. I didn't know why the market moved. I didn't know, you know, how interest rates moved. I didn't know the history of interest rates. I didn't know any of that kind of stuff. I just knew how to take good care of people and how to talk to them. And they trusted me. And that's how I was successful. So it was accident. Well, I'm going to come back to that seven to eight year mark when you made the decision to kind of get serious. But before we go there, I always like to ask about a quote that's had an impact on your life or business. Can you share a quote that's it really impacted you? I think, and this is something that I think about all the time. It's written on my chalkboard because it's one of the core values that I, you know, my, my team lives by and that I live by. And it's a quote that says, the person who knows how will always have a job. The person who knows why will always be their boss. When did you realize this and how do you apply it? I think, first of all, you have to constantly be asking why. That's how I learned. I mean, like in the mortgage business, many people are just kind of given a, you know, set of underwriting guidelines if they're lucky. (laughs) I didn't have that when I started. And like a clientele or a phone book or something to call. And I think the only way I learned was to ask why and to really dig in and understand the why. Because when you understand the why, you can explain it to others. So when I ask underwriting, like, well, why do you need this? And they say, well, we need it because of this, this, and this. Well, then it's really easy for me to explain it to a client why we need it. But if I just say, well, it's because that's what's required, that's not answering the question and they still don't trust and they still will have opposition. Mm -hmm. So I always, and that's, that's definitely something that I teach every person on my team to challenge, ask why, tell me why, tell me why you need that. Tell me why that's important because that way they have a further understanding And also, I just think when people are curious about asking why, people trust them more because they have a vested interest in what's the outcome. That's a great philosophy for life. So when you ask why, have you ever been surprised by any of the answers? Can you? I know it's kind of putting you on the spot, but can you think of a a time when you were like, you asked why and you're like, hey, wait a second, that doesn't make sense. All the time I'm surprised by the lack of other people asking why. They're just doing it because I was told to, right? And you're like, well, why? So here's a great example. I'm sitting in a closing this morning and there's a document that was required to be signed by both people, but only one person was on the loan. I snapped a photo of the document, sent it to my closer. And I said, why does my non, you know, co-borrowing spouse have to sign this? He said, um, because it's in the package. I said, okay, but why? He said, (laughs) great question. I don't know why. I said, okay, well find out why. And text me back because I'm sitting at a closing with a closing attorney. And if I don't know the answer and I say, because it's in the package, my cover is blown on knowing what I'm doing. I have to understand why. Right. 
He's still checking, by the way, and that was like four hours ago. Okay, since we'll have to circle back to why did that was anyway. That's uh, <laughs> that's interesting. So the other thing I've found talking to successful loan officers, mortgage brokers, is that failure is something that happens, but there's there's always a lesson in it when you look back. Can you share something that you failed at, and now looking back, there was actually a lesson in it for you? Lots of failures from regards to missed opportunities, not following up, leading to missed opportunities, having an ego. And getting my butt handed to me. What, okay, give me an example of what you mean by not following up and missed opportunities. So I've been in this business a really long time. So I literally met with an agent, a realtor yesterday that I have known for about, or I've known of for about 15 years. I met with her 15 years ago. And because of my lack of follow-up and my lack of consistency with calling on good agents, I could have had her business for the last 15 years, but because I didn't, I had to come back to her and say, Hey, I met you long time ago. I didn't follow up with you really well. I'm so excited. We had a transaction and you loved what I did that you are going to give me another opportunity. And thank goodness she didn't really remember, but that's a huge missed opportunity for me. Right. Right. Yeah. If you take the number of place sales she's made in those 15 years, I don't want to make you feel depressed, but yeah, yeah, I know. Don't, it's already, I've done the math. You're done the math. It's like, this, this is terrible. But that oh, time and time again, asking the hard questions sometimes, like sometimes I'm fearful, like I kind of know the answer, but I don't want to hear the answer. Like my unknowing is better than knowing the truth sometimes. Like a realtor starting to go another direction or we're not seeing a whole lot from that realtor rather than me being really forthright and honest up front and saying, your business, we haven't seen much from you. What's going on? What can we do better? I'll just let it go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've taken a much more proactive approach in the recent years to say, what am I doing wrong? How can I improve? Why aren't we seeing as much? And um, so that's been a lesson where if I would have just asked those questions and been okay with the answers and t- or taken the answers and learned from them, I would probably still have other agents' business that I didn't want to know the answer, and so I let them go. Growing up, my dad used to always say to me, do you want the truth or something that makes you feel good? And I'd always say, I want something that makes me feel good, Dad. And he'd be like, no, I'm going to give you the truth. (laughs) Yeah, and sometimes really just hearing, what am I doing wrong as a mortgage person? What am I doing wrong as a leader? And just standing there with like a little bulletproof vest taking the bullets. That's a lesson that I've learned recently, and I have not had enough guts to ask the questions in the past and take those little bullets to improve. Right. That's really good. So you'd mentioned in failure too something about egos. Is that what you mean by ego being not wanting to ask, say, hey, what's going on? And kind of have that sort of those crucial conversations. Yeah. I mean, ego is a big thing. I think, um, especially with clients too, like, you know, clients not happy. The first thing you do is you want to defend why you're right. And I learned a long time ago with clients they're always right because their perception is their reality. And one lesson that that I'm very proud of is we had a client that gave us a, a crazy, horrific survey, like, we'll never use you again, felt like a, you know, on a conveyor belt, didn't know what was going on. And I called her and I spent an hour and a half with her on the phone about how to improve our system and our process and really expand our client experience. And to this day, she's a personal friend who has helped me develop what we do and referred us multitudes of clients. 
because I lost my ego there and I said, help me improve. Right. Put your ego aside and work on the problem or the situation. Go, how do we make this better? How do we solve this? And that's hard to do though. Like, yes, it is hard, but I think the most amazing people, business people that I look at and I am just blown away by, you would never guess how successful they are because they don't have an ego. They don't have to boast about it. They don't have to do any of that. They just are good with their own self, you know? So I think that's really cool. And I think about that all the time. Not there, but think about it. Uh, yeah, I think about it too. And it's something I work on. And okay, my wife helps keep my ego in check as well. She's like, you know, I think that's what spouses are for. Oh, for sure. So do you have a morning routine or some, some way that you sort of get your day going? Yeah, so I'm a very routine person and I grew up on a farm. So I was, you know, taught at a very early age to get up and get going. So my day typically starts around 4.30. I get up. I typically will do some kind of meditation for about 10 minutes or so. I take my dog for a walk and I live in Minnesota. So it doesn't matter if it's raining, if it's snowing, whatever. Out I go. And that's about, you know, 20 to 30 minutes. So I go work out. I do spin. I do whatever kind of classes, whatever they have at 545. I'm home by 645 and I'm out the door by about 730. My kids leave for school or I take my kids to school. But that's kind of my routine. I like to walk the dog, uh, be a little bit with nature. I will always listen to a podcast or something like that in the morning to kind of get my mind right. And exercise is super important. Do you go to the health club five days a week? Is it like seven days? So ironically, this year, I've, I was opposite of probably everyone else in the world that I used to have a trainer that came to my house twice a week, and I did that for three years. And in January, I said, Adam, I'm so sorry. I am done with you. Um, I'm going to go to the health club. <laughs> it's not you. It's me. Yeah, it's, it was totally me because I get bored. I needed a change. And here's what I felt like. And I used to hate the health club because I used to go there all the time. And I hated the health club because I'm like, oh, my God, all these people. And I just want to do my own thing on my own time. I have a gym in my house. And now I've like oh my God, I love people again. And I'm on the spin bike and I'm looking at the dude next to me and I'm like, how many RPMs is he going and how many watts? And I'm going to go a little bit faster. And, and so are you a little competitive? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. yeah, a little bit. So that has been driving me. And I think different things drive me at different points, but the sheer rhythm of go in, get it done. And I can't quit. I mean, I try work so much harder when there's 20 other people in the room than when Adam, who's like, oh, it's okay, Lisa, you're tired or you've got a sinus infection or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. you know, these people don't care. Uh -uh. That's awesome. And then what time do you usually get in the office? It depends on the day. So at least one day a week, I will start my day at home. I find I'm like many people. I love the shiny penny. I'm the disruptor in the office. Like, I'm like, hey, what are you guys doing? So I really have to be disciplined. And so at least one day a week, sometimes two days a week, I will start my day at home and I will start with my prospecting calls and I will do at least two hours of calls and then I will come into the office. So at least I'm getting those things done. And then typically the other three days a week, I'm in the office between 8 and 8.30. Okay. So I'm going to ask now about the, your, the business part of it. It seems to me like there's kind of three parts. There's leads. So like where do you get your business? There's team and then there's systems. And so on the lead side, so where where do you get the majority of your business? After 19 years, is it from your past clients? Is it realtors? Like what's the sort of the breakdown of that? So good question. Past clients is a big pillar of business for us. So I believe last year we had about 28 to 29% of our business was past client. And only 7% of our business last year was refinance. 
So a lot of those people, we are really focused on making sure we're mailing to them, we're calling them, we're doing two client events a year so that they're really connected with us. The biggest majority of our business is definitely realtor. We work with, uh, last year, I believe we got deals from 68 different realtors. Wow. We, yeah, we have a lot of realtors. We have 11 realtors that send us at least 12 or more deals a year. And then I've got, you know, one realtor that I think we closed 38 deals last year. I've got another realtor. From one realtor? Yeah. What? That's crazy. Like I've done a hundred and I don't know, this is, I'm probably getting close to 160 interviews and I don't know if I've heard of anybody. There probably is. Maybe they just never mentioned it. I never heard anybody tell me they've got 38 deals from one realtor. Like, is that like a family member or something or just somebody you're like, no, she just digs me. Yeah. Wow. But, but here it is. It's a deep relationship. Oh yeah, for sure. We're friends. And here's what's weird. It's like, we're not even that close of friends. We just have an utmost respect for each other's business. Mm -hmm. And she relies on me heavily. I rely on her heavily. She believes in us so strongly that belief is really transferred to the clients and the clients just come in, you know, completely sold. And, you know, the same thing with the other relationship stuff. There's some agents that just totally get referring. Like they just do it so well. You want to absolutely clone what they say. And other ones, you know, their intention is fabulous, but they miss little key words or their heart isn't in it and people feel that and see it. And so they don't believe it a hundred percent. Have you ever asked the, this realtor who is giving you what she tells people? I bet you, I did that once with one realtor that would send us a lot of business. And I was like, I was like, oh my gosh, if I could get all of my people to talk like that, I would be like, you know, it would be amazing. So that's cool. Okay. So, and in terms of team, so how does, who's on your team and what is, what do people do? Like, what's your, what's your structure? Cause obviously you're handling a lot of files. If one realtor sending you 38 deals, then you've got lots of stuff on the go. So who's doing what on your team? So this is where we really, you know, follow kind of that core model. So I have two LPs, LP ones. So those are called loan partner ones. And those two girls are responsible for talking to every single lead that comes across our desk. Every single lead from realtor, every single lead from builder, every lead from Zillow, everything. And their job is to contact them within two hours, get an application, get documents, and get them an appointment with me. That's their job. And then once the client meets with me, their job is massive follow-up. Like their job is really respond back to their emails ASAP, respond back to their questions ASAP, update the realtor ASAP. I mean, everything... You know, for me, everything is about time. The faster you get to the lead, the faster you're going to own it, the faster they think that they're the only client that you have. So team, LP1s, I have two of those. And we get anywhere from 90 to 120 leads a month. Yeah. So those guys. They're hopping. They're hopping. Yeah. And the one cool thing is, is like, you know, the realtor that sent me 38 transactions last year. So she... You know, she just works with one LP1 and they talk every single day. Mm -hmm. So the one big thing that I realized is, you know, my big transition, you know, we're going to talk about some transition years, but my transition time was knowing that, and this is part of the ego, it wasn't the Lisa show. Right. <laughs> like when I discovered that other people could do these jobs just as good as me, some, and in most of the cases now better, you sell the team 
not you. And and it's so funny because this realtor that sent us all that business, I meet with her for lunch every single month, same time, same place. And she'll say to me, like, Jen is way better than you ever were on follow up on connect. You know, and I love that. I, I have no ego with that. Like it right. make be better than me because then I know we've got her. You know, you've got a realtor when they love your team more than you. Right. That's awesome. What about the LP2s? So you do you have any LP2s? Yep. So all my LP2s are contract to close and I have a team captain. So my team captain is really my right hand person. Like she can be me. She just doesn't want to be me. She doesn't want to go out and get the business. But my team captain pre-qualifies all of our deals. And she also then meets with all the disclosures. So I meet with a lot of the pre-qual clients and then she'll meet with all the clients when they are got a contract. And she's disclosing them. So she basically sets them up that way. And then she assigns them to an LP2. And then the LP2 takes them all the way from contract or basically I should say disclosure to close it. I got to ask you a question on this. Because so obviously we're in we're Canadian mortgage brokers, like similar to loan officers. But just so I'm clear on what that is happening there. So when somebody pre-qualification, you're just pre-approving them or we call it pre-approving them for a mortgage. Yep. When you're saying the disclosure Explain that to me. What is that? Is that when you're disclosing sort of your fees and stuff and how that works? So at the pre-qualification, they don't have a property. At disclosure, the clients are coming back in. And at this point, they have a contract. Okay. And so now we are doing the disclosures, which, you know, is about 106 pages of signatures that we're going to be honest with you and you're going to be honest with us. And we'll all play nice in the sandbox. Right. Rates, fees, cash to close, locking your interest rate. Where's your money coming from? Specifically, what accounts? That's what I mean at disclosure. So she does that appointment. Is that Are those long appointments? It's about 45 minutes. And how many signatures are we talking in one of those meetings? Oh, gosh, I don't know. A lot? Uh, it's a lot. It's a stack of papers. And she whips through them. I mean, like, here, this set. I mean, she truly probably talks like, hey, we're not going to lie to you. You're not going to lie to us. Sign here. Here's the right. application. This is where you worked for the last two years. You know, like, she whips through it. We don't. They don't really read a lot of stuff. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was just trying to understand that. All right. So that's for my Canadian listeners who would be like, oh, what is she talking about? So that's basically, they've got, <laughs> they've got an, in our case, we'd say an accepted offer. So you have an accepted offer and that's kind of sounds like a, that same stage. Okay. So you have the LP2s, you have the team captain. So then is there anyone else on your team? So then we have one, two, we have three LP2s and those guys are contract to close. So then once my team captain hands that client over after disclosure and then they are charged with sending it into underwriting, following up on the conditions, talking to the client, making sure all the step of the way is perfect. If they've got any questions or concerns, and then it goes back to my team captain to do the final numbers and the closing disclosure statement with the client. And then either myself or the team captain attends closing. And how many meetings would you have in a typical, so from first phone call, they say, hey, we hear great things. How many times are you guys meeting with a client and are you meeting with what percentage of clients are you meeting with? So I like to meet with clients in person because that's where I build the relationship. At the end of the day, I mean, what we do is a commodity and they can get it anywhere. What's different is myself and the experience we put people through. That's the difference. And so in order for them to experience them, I like to meet with them in person. So I meet with them at prequal. My team captain will meet with them at disclosure and then they go to the closing table of which we attend as well. So basically we're going to see them three times face to face. Now, sometimes not everybody can come in. We've got clients that are relocating here, that kind of thing. So then we will do a video appointment for the prequal appointment. We will do a video appointment for disclosures. And then if they're doing a power of attorney, 
we don't go to the closed. What software do you use for that? If you don't mind me asking. You know what? I will have to get back to you. There's two different ones that we use depending on the client. You know, one is required a link um, and a website and one is sharing our computer as well. Okay. Maybe I'll, just, you know I'll, put, sure. I'll put them in the show notes when you send me the links. That'd be great. Just so I have an idea of those. So then the last part, so there's leads, teams and systems. So then what, what's holding this all together? You got like, you know, you've got a few different people in the process. And so how do you not have things drop through the cracks or miss things? So how are you doing that? So one other person that's on my team that is a huge proponent of what we do is she's called a loan partner one admin. And so what she does for me is she manages my birthday program. She manages gifting. So any closed gifts, any gifts during the process that we give to clients, if any clients are having a baby or any past clients had a baby, anything like that. She does a lot of our database follow-up and all of our mailings. So it's one other piece that's a huge proponent of what we do and how we do it that I didn't mention on TV. That's kind of like glue that holds all of the bits together. Yes, she's a huge proponent for that. And then you asked me about the process. So the thing that makes us different is, and the reason realtors work with us, and the reason clients come back to us are a lot of our processes. So like when a lead comes in, you know, the phone is answered or we're back to them within two hours. We take their information, we send them a needs list, we make an appointment for them to come in. They get a testimonial video of what it's like to work with us. They come in. I do the same kind of appointment every single time. They walk out of my prequel appointment knowing rate, payment, cash to close, exactly how they should be structuring their loan when they find a property. They walk out with a little water bottle with a special note inside about what to do and not do during a mortgage. Why do you use a water bottle? What is it just? It's like a message in a bottle. Oh, okay, okay. You know, like a water bottle, which is done um, with our logo and insignia on, and then inside there's a little message in a bottle. I don't know, it's just cute, it's funny, and people. You, you know what it is? There's the moments of wow that you can kind of put in there. You can do the same, you can walk them to the door and say thank you, or you can stop and put in that little thing that doesn't really cost a lot but really makes a difference in, you know, the message in a bottle, that's genius. Okay, so the, what other, sorry, I, I interrupt sometimes, so keep going. That's okay. And then once they leave here, I mean, so following up once they're pre-approved and they're out looking for properties, I tell them one week you're going to get a video talking about what's going on in the market or products that are coming into the market or leaving the market. One week you're going to get a phone call from us, you know, just checking in how the search is going, what are your challenges. One week you might get an article or an email. One week we're going to give you a break, then we're going to start all over again. So that's a process. Once they find a property, they come in, they do disclosures. We have them at, at the prequel appointment. We we have them fill out an all about you form, which tells us some cool stuff about them, like their favorite restaurants, their favorite hobbies, their favorite candies, uh, you know, how old are their kids, stuff like that. Um, so that when they come in for disclosures, when they come in, we've got their favorite candy waiting for them. What? Okay, that's mind blowing. So let me ask you a question about this. With the all about you form, do people go, hey, what, like, uh, you're getting me a mortgage. How come you want to know all about, like, do people ever give you any pushback on that or? No, they don't. And this is why it's so magical because I say to them, I say, look, I'm going to do some numbers so you can see exactly what rates, fees, cash to close look like. Now, while I'm doing that, I'm going to have you fill out this cute little form. I think in mortgage, we are so concerned with how much money do you make? What kind of credit score do you have? Where do you spend your money? All that crazy stuff. I said, this lets us know a little bit more about the fun stuff about you. And I say, if I ever make any errors on this mortgage, I don't know if your favorite restaurants, your favorite hobbies, your favorite candies, like I'm going to make it right to you. 
and they laugh and they fill it out. Oh, could could you send me a copy of that? Because I think uh, I would put it in your show because people are going to be like, you shut up. That's so awesome. So I, I love it. That's great. So the all about you form. And then you're right. The, at the disclosure, now you have like, wow. Yeah, like their favorite candies. And sometimes like, like I had someone last night that said, what is this for? And I said, can you just play along with me? There's a method to this madness. And as you go through this process, you're going to see amazing things because you filled out this form. I don't know. I just say whatever. And sometimes I'm like, oh my God, Twix is my favorite candy bar too. Like we're, we have millions of those here. Yeah, that's exciting. Or I don't know. It's just, it's a way for me to find out a little bit more about them. And then a lot of times I hear them chatting with, you know, their spouse and like, that's your favorite movie. I hate that movie. And you know, I don't know. Just, it's a way. It makes it, it humanizes it too though, right? Like in a way that I think it's a genius. And I'm going to, I'm going to be sending that to my business partner who works on our uh, loan side of our business. I'm going to be like, we got to put this in place. This is killer. The other thing too is when there's three questions on there that I like to pay attention to as well, not just the fun stuff, but what is your biggest fear in going into this process? What's most important about a mortgage banker broker to you? And what's the most important characteristic about a realtor? Because Mm. right there, those three things are typically objections. Like what's your biggest fear? I don't know if I'm going to qualify. I don't know if I've got enough money. I don't, you know, like, because if I know what that is, I'll answer it and I'll clear out that fear. What's the most important, you know, attribute about a mortgage person? Well, that's going to tell me what are they concerned about in dealing with me? Mm-hmm. And when I can handle an objection before it even really is an objection, building a lot more trust. Do you give them two forms or is it one form they both fill out together? Just, I know it's a, a- both fill it out together. So, it, but that's what I'm saying is like a lot of this stuff, it's the same process every single time. So then, you know, they come in for disclosure, they get their favorite candy. So then they're in the process, you know, two weeks prior to closing or at conditional approval, we send them, you know, cookies to their work, congratulating them on, you know, being through conditional approval. We send their kids packing tape, you know, so really funky and cool packing tape so they can get excited about the move because so many times we focus on the parents and we forget that it's a little bit stressful for the kids. We send the kids a little book like about moving, depending on their age, we have three different books. We send, if they have pets, you know, they put that they have pets. We send a little, you know, a little cool dog bone or some catnip for the cats because again, it's pets, it's stressful to move. So we really just pay attention and that's a, that's two weeks prior to closing our conditional approval. The other thing I'm a big on video. So, you know, a, a video goes out the day before they come in for a prequel appointment. What's on the video? What to expect at this appointment. You're going to walk out of here with pre-approval letters. Telling you right now, if I move to Minnesota, I'm calling you. You're going to be my girl and be like, okay, I got to just go through the process. I mean, you probably won't get to qualify me because I'm a foreign national buying property. But That's true, my friend. I'm sure I could qualify you. I got a Canadian right now. <laughs> okay. So anyway, I'm totally coming because I am just gonna, I want to walk through the whole process. You know, I want to get you to send dog treats to my dog. You're super pumped about this because now I'm different. I'm different than anybody else out there right now. So that's what the cool part is. Like anyone can write a mortgage, right? But my job is to make it an experience. This interview, I'm so jacked about it. I don't even want to share it. I'm just kidding. I'm going to be like, I'm going to keep this as part of my private collection. And I'm going to just show it to my business partner and be like, do everything that Lisa's doing. Do it in our business and we're not going to share. I won't do that. But I'm just saying like, oh my gosh. Because, you know, at the end of the day, it's always still about execution because the ideas and stuff are awesome. But if you don't execute consistently, it's worthless. Like this it's, is- it's, it's worthless. It's almost worse if you didn't execute anything. Right. Because then the expectation is really low. 
you know, we go to closing and I send a video, you know, to the clients a week before closing, just saying that we're in the home stretch and, you know, this is the closing disclosure. This is going to be coming out. This is what you expect. I call them once they've signed the disclosure to make sure they're all set and ready to roll and that I'm going to be at the closing or I'm not going to be at the closing. I call the agents and I say, hey, we're all done. Our money will be there the day before. You're in great. And every single time the agents are like, holy crack, this was amazing. And then after the closing, I mean, we send a flash drive with all their documents. I call them when their first payment is due. So, you know, usually if they're closing now, their first payment's not due until June. So I call them the last couple of days of May, remind them that their payment's due, make sure that they know exactly where they're paying it, check in on the house. Is everything great with it? Do you love it? Are there any concerns? And then I ask them for a review. And where do you get them to review you? Um, I usually go to Zillow just because we did some Zillow leads and Zillow was like, hey, if you get reviews, I was like, well, shoot, I need to do this. So they were like, oh, my God, you got like 70 reviews in like nine months. And I was like, sweet. So I just ask and have them and I send them the link. So it's super easy for them. So all they have to do is click. And do you find Zillow is more useful for you than Google reviews? So you're talking to such a non-techie person. I don't know if I would know the difference other than. Zillow pops a lot for us. And because we do Zillow reviews, a lot of Zillow clients, Zillow will tend to look at their the reviews first. Right. I like Zillow pops for us. I like that. See, I'm going to take that from you. You taking process and I'm taking pops. That pops for us. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So can you share one thing about yourself that you can't find on Google? That you can't find? That I can't find on Google. So I want like something that you're like, hey, this is, you know. I'm pretty messy. I think my team would laugh because they're like, you know, I'm so dialed in and our process is so fantastic, but I'm messy with regards to, I don't know. I wing things a lot. That's probably what I would say is you won't find that on Google, obviously. Um, What else? I don't know. I, I mean, I grew up on a farm. That's a huge thing for me because I tell people that because my work ethic is off the charts. And I learned that because one of my first jobs when I worked for a bank and I told the guy that he was like, Oh my God, I'm going to hire you because your farm kids have the most incredible work ethic ever. And I was like, true. We worked 24, seven, 365. Yeah. Right. The farm is popping. <laughs> yeah. <they're... laughs> I yeah. just messed with you. Okay. So we're going to move to rapid fire questions. These you can answer as shorter answers. If you like, what's the number one thing holding back most LOs from being successful? Fear of looking inadequate, fear of screwing up. And what's the one thing or habit you think's made you successful? Understanding that, a process that is duplicatable to get the same outcome every single time is comforting to people, realtors. What's one software or app you can't live without? My calculators. Okay. And if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be? I'm more of a podcaster, but one book that I'm reading now, which I feel is going to be a handbook for me, is John Maxwell, The Leadership Handbook. That is a big one. What podcast do you listen to? So what give me... That's a good... I'm even going to add that to my... Thing. I'm going to be like, what show do you listen to? And then I'll put a link to it. I love a podcast right now that I listen to a ton is called Focus 3. I love that one. It's very much about limiting beliefs, overcoming fears, because when I think when you're in the mortgage business, you've spent the first few years like figuring out the business and then you figure out the business. And then really what holds you back is you. Right. You know, so I work a ton on getting out of my own way, making the big calls, you know, doing all that kind of stuff, getting rid of that little voice on my shoulder that says, you can't do this. You're going to look dumb. You're going to fail. People are going to ridicule you. I work a ton on that at this point. Um, the other ones that I listen to a ton, I love Tim Ferriss. I love School of Greatness with Lewis Howes. 
Entree Leadership. Those are probably my biggest ones that I listen to every single series. Right. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm a big pod. Obviously, I like podcasts. I do one, so I I listen to tons of them. So uh, here's my last question. Remember the movie Back to the Future? Yes. So in the movie, there's this car, the DeLorean, and you can get it and travel in time. So if I could put you in the DeLorean and I could send you back to when you were starting out as a, a LO and you could give yourself some advice, what three things would you tell yourself so that you'd have a bigger, badder business today? Bigger popping business, I would say that way. So. <laughs> First and foremost, I would say find this coaching program. The core, the core has absolutely changed my business. I would be out of the mortgage business if I didn't find them in 2008. So finding them earlier. The next one I would say is follow up. Learn to be disciplined in my follow up. My business would be probably 15 fold if I would have had discipline in my follow up at a younger part of this business. The next thing I would say is team. For a long, long time, I was a one-man show because I felt no one could do it as good as I could do it. And I worked 80 hours a week and I had, my kids are 18 months apart. And I, when I was working 80 hours a week, I had a, you know, a two-year-old and a six-month-old at home. And my husband was like, this is not what I envisioned. <laughs> Building a team earlier and really allowing people to grow into their sweet spot of what they're really good at and then allowing me to grow into my sweet spot of what I'm really good at and not being a control freak. Yeah. Where can people find you online? My website is lisawellsloans.com. That's where I am. Facebook. Yeah. And anybody listening can get show notes, links, everything at our site. Lisa, I've had a ton of fun talking to you and uh, I'm hopefully, you know, I didn't mess up your process. <laughs> at some point, I'd love to get you back on the show and uh, see what's going on in your world because this was so much fun. Absolutely. This was really fun. Scott, thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. If you do, you'll get three deals in the next week. Okay, that's not entirely true, but we'd really appreciate it. Also, you can check out everything at ilovemortgagebrokering.com. See you next week.